0: Hello. Good morning. Another beautiful morning here in TW11 as we welcome you to the Nick Luck Daily Podcast this Thursday, April the fourteenth, the third and final day of Newmarket's Craven meeting. We've had the Newmarket Breeze up sale, Cheltenham race today. We've got the delights of the Easter weekend to look forward to, with all weather finals day and also the Irish Grand National at Fairy House during the course of this program. I will be talking to Richard Hannan about his two runners in the Greenham Stakes at Newbury, his runner in the Fred Darling. I'll also be talking to Jake Warren about buying Nell Gwyn Hero Cache at the Brews Up sales last year and how he's been getting on this week. Uh, Amir Zidane, the owner of Tabor, this hugely exciting prospect for the Kentucky Derby, uh, gives me another in-depth interview, not just about the prospect of this horse, but about why, uh, having said that he might not, he was still going to run this horse even though he can't run him in the name of Bob Baffert anymore. And later in the programme, we'll be hearing a little bit about the Lamborn Open Day this weekend from its chairman, Mark Smiley. But first of all, let's start much as we did yesterday with Native Trail, because he came through his assignment in the Craven Stakes, if not with flying colours, then with great efficiency, with great style, with great verve. Rishi Passad is with me today. Do we know any more now about Native Trail than we did 24 hours ago, Rishi?
1: No, nothing new to native trails composition other than he's in good heart for the return uh to the track this season i thought everything he did yesterday was in keeping with everything he did as a two-year-old where he perhaps needed a little bit of stoking up but then he hits that gear and he takes off i thought it was a very very satisfactory comeback and i'm sure as the the evidence of charlie appleby's comments after the race uh the team are very excited by what he's going to do in the Guineas.
0: Yeah, Appleby has picked up in 2022 in earnest where he left off in 2021 mm. hoovering up most of the pattern races this week and um just looking in unstoppable form is that do you think going to set the tone for the remainder of the year
1: well I think so I think he's had what nine winners from 18 runners in the last couple of weeks it's an impressive strike rate already um I think we spoke about it uh, earlier in the year when uh, you and I have worked together, talking about the strength and depth that he has with his three-year-olds, with the older horses. He's obviously going to be a huge player internationally all the way through to the end of the year. But that's been a long-term process that he's worked hard, uh, admittedly, with very, very good stock and that advantage. But he's worked hard in order to be able to get the best out of them and learn about losing and I think that's his greatest strength he doesn't mind horses running and losing as long as he learns from it and by by those experiences he's now composed a wonderful selection of horses to campaign amongst the older horses you know obviously Adair, Hurricane Lane etc and the three-year-olds with uh Caribus and or Karobas as I, I was corrected uh Carobus, uh Native Trail Modern Games obviously goes to France but he's got some Some other talented horses that have appeared on the scene just in the last couple of days as well, three-year-olds. Yeah, Uh, Charlie Appleby is going to have another stellar year bar some absolute miracle.
0: He is. uh, He is not going to run the horse that you just mentioned, who I've been calling Coribus, but if you want me to call it Corobus, I will. Uh, He called
1: it. Charlie called it Coroba, so I'm going with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he called it both when he did the piece on this podcast last week. So I, whatever <laughs> horse beginning with C, uh, he now he is not going to Newbury's big trial on Saturday, no. the Dubai Duty Free Greenham Stakes. Uh, he did a racecourse gallop at Newmarket yesterday. Now this will not please the chunterers who don't like racecourse gallops and think that they're contributing to small fields in pattern races. Um, But clearly there's some reason why Charlie Appleby has changed his mind. He's he's a hot horse, isn't he, who they want to keep a lid on, and perhaps that's the reason.
1: Absolutely. I I can definitely see why he is not having a race. I mean, you remember as, as well as anybody else when he got beaten at Newmarket where he traveled like an absolute dream and then he showed that explosive turn of foot. He's clearly an explosive individual and you want to keep that bottled up until it's absolutely necessary. And so I, I would imagine having a run in the Greenham two weeks before the guineas would be, or even if he ran and if you, if they'd gone the other way, and he'd run the Craven, still close enough to the guineas for a horse that races in the, in the manner that he does. So I totally get that, and I understand why people do get upset. But there's a long season ahead, so I understand why people would prefer to see a horse in a trial than in a gallop. But with the with so many big targets to come for the rest of the year, I'm not as fussed as, as others.
0: What did you think Native Trail achieved yesterday in defeating Claymore and Huyamal? What's your hunch? Because the numbers will say he didn't achieve a massive amount.
1: Well, I, I personally, with regards to Native Trail, I almost think it doesn't matter uh, who he beat yesterday. What I enjoyed about his performance was the fact that he, he repeated the manner of performance that he produced as a two-year-old in winning those group ones in Ireland and at Newmarket in the Dewhurst where he looks as if he's going to hit a flat spot. He does. He looks as if he might be in trouble for a few strides, but then he gets organized and then he gets going. I mean, I, I put out a tweet after the race yesterday saying there are shades for me, there are shades of see the stars and the way he goes about the job in that he just goes along with the field until he really has to go about his work. And it takes him a moment to to get into gear but once he does the result is almost inevitable and i i, I love the way he does it yeah and for a for a a, a group one horse that's going to be campaigned through uh, a relatively tough season i prefer his style of racing personally than the explosive nature of a carobus caribus um so I, I i would be on native trail side in the guineas and i think what he did yesterday at least regardless of of the opposition i think at least it shows that the same, the same horse has turned up in 2022. And just before we move on, it might
0: just be worth casting your mind back to the interview I conducted with Norman Williamson on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's the man who sold Native Trail at the Breeze Up sales a year ago. Now, and he said that when he started riding him as a yearling into his two-year-old career, he, he noticed he would change his legs frequently when he was mm. when he was, and he, he at first thought that it was his size and his physique, and that he might be getting a little bit unbalanced, and he said then he realized it was, it was his slightly unusual way of just quickening and finding an extra gear, and he said that's what you have to bear in mind when people say that they thought he didn't like the dip because he was changing his legs so mm. much. He said that was something he did when he was just quickening and quickening, and his head would get lower to the ground, and he would just really kick yeah. in that overdrive. So I wouldn't, you know, he's, he's won now <laughs> multiple <laughs> times on the roly Mile. I wouldn't have any concerns on that score, given what Norman Williamson told me.
1: No, I, I, I don't have any concerns with him at, and the course whatsoever. I agree entirely with, with uh, that assertion. The way he moves through it, I mean, he, he travels really nicely through the race, and he came down the hill, as he did in the Dewhurst. He comes down the hill fine, but once he's, he's asked to go a little bit quicker and he starts changing his legs, I think it's just a moment for him to organise himself and it, I don't think it'd matter whether it's uphill, downhill, left or right. Mm. I think it's just a question of the horse organising himself to go a little bit faster. And the changing of the legs is obviously something that when a horse is, is quickening, they do that. And they sometimes change a couple of times, as, uh, as we've seen from native trail. But, you know, <laughs> a Dewhurst winner and a Craven winner in the Roly Mile, uh, I don't think there's any, any issues with that for me coming up to the guineas.
0: But it's just worth remembering, and I said it on here last week and I'll say it again, Current standings as regards Newmarket Guineas victories, Dolly <laughs> Appleby, not none. Aidan O'Brien, 17. Yeah, yeah.
1: Aidan O'Brien, Aiden O'Brien, 17. Aidan O'Brien's had a lot more goes. Than
0: <laughs> but um, one thing we know about Aidan is there is no one who can ready a horse. First no. off, first off, first off uh, for the Guineas like him. No one.
1: Uh, well, he is, he is the master when it comes to the, the, the Guineas, and when it comes to the classics, absolutely. Um, but, Charlie Appleby, if, if Charlie's only been training, you know, 10 years. If you said to a trainer that in 10 years that have gone very close to winning the Guineas with Master of the Seas, and now has, a, you know, he now has two very, very strong contenders, I think, I think he'd take that in a 10-year 10 10 year span, albeit he has had some very good horses over the years, but I, I think it's fair to say the quality of his stock has improved exponentially in the last four to five years. And now we're seeing the, 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 the full capability of Charlie Affleby as a trainer. So we'll, we'll, we'll see <laughs> the first weekend in, in, in May. It is the first weekend in May, isn't it? No, it's the no. end of April, isn't it?
0: Final weekend of April.
1: Last day of April. Last day of April, yeah.
0: Well, at this stage, at any rate, Charlie Appleby's not going to run anything in the in the Greenham States because his two intended entries have already run this week and Karibas has done a race course gallop. So um, it does give a chance for all the other players to strut their stuff on the classic trial stage. It's a race that's been very kind to the Hannans over the years, and Richard Hannan has got Gubass <laughs> and Lucille uh, entered in the race. Richard, are they both going to run? Yeah, that's the
2: plan at the moment. It looks like we're not going to get too much or any significant right? So yeah, the plan is to run both of them.
0: I mean, Lucelle was a very good two-year-old one blip really that final run at Doncaster did anything come to light after that?
2: Well he just he doesn't have any range up and ground. he doesn't have it he just wheel spins the whole way and that's kind of what he did as well as hanging at um, Doncaster you know we had decided we'd take a chance as any four runners but he's a lot better on quick ground and he's been working very well Dobsy's hit with him a couple of times only you Dobsy?
1: Yes,
2: he's sitting yes.
0: next to me. <laughs> and he thinks he's going very well. Oh, that Pat, Pat Dob sitting sitting next to you, so he can he can hear us. Um, yes. Pat, Pat, do you think he's a do you, do you think he's a better, stronger model than he was as a as a two year old? Is he trained on like you'd like a guinea horse to train on? Yes, he looks fantastic,
3: fantastic, Nick. Um, he's the top of the ground horse. He has
0: to have a fast, in my opinion. And fast it should be, and with no rain in the in the forecast this weekend just in terms of what his ultimate trip requirements going to be do you see him as a horse who's going to going to get a mile uh, in time I and mean, would you have confidence in that
2: he's pointed to be now in my opinion i think seven is probably his limit but we'll find out a lot on saturday it's no hassle we can come straight back to the group 1 at Royal Asker or the pavilion stakes if we're not going to get a mile but
0: i think we have to treat him and ride him as if he does get a mile well uh, well what what sort of feel does he give does he give you pat Uh, in terms of stamina requirements
3: i think seven definitely won't be a problem um he walks very lazy at home so it's hard to get a proper gauge on him
0: okay and what what about gubbas richard is he's a he's a horse by memas so you've you've had a a great deal of success with as well and how far how far behind Lucelle would he be well i'm
2: not sure he'd be fine he's a very good horse on his day nick but the last time he went to newbury he was favorite for the horace hill and he behaved very badly um i don't know whether it's the fact that we had a harder race in the in the super sprint than we thought we did but there was something you know got on his nerves and he was he was very upset and and sweated and you know didn't run his race at all so i'm gonna have him with a hood on on saturday um and hope that sorts it out but he's been absolutely fine at home and he's a very capable horse
0: and the horse he beat in the super sprint is your own symphony perfect and she goes on the same card in the phillies equivalent trial the dubai duty free fred darling and um, she just kept improving and improving and improving last season rounded off with the win in the in the bosra sham at new market beating a good yardstick in in desert dreamer has she continued to improve or is she just a a busy two-year-old she was a busy two-year-old um but she
2: got better and better as you say and I've been very happy with her this year. She's definitely improved. She'll need to have done. But I know I slightly feel that the phillies division in terms of the mile division this year for three year olds is, is is pretty moderate. You know, and I think I'm very much considering putting her in at some stage or going kind abroad of for a guinea's and uh, there's a listed race in Chelmsford next in two weeks' time for her, she'll be fit. She doesn't take much much getting fit because she does a lot of it herself so she she won't need it as much as most of us do first time
0: trainer richard hannon there and jockey pat dobbs is an unexpected bonus uh, two interesting runners in the green and one in the fred darling this weekend at newbury really the greenham's all about perfect power to an extent rishi but mm. there's not actually much in terms of ratings between perfect power and richard's number one string lucille and indeed rave beckett's Angel Blur, you know, they're all of, of sort of comparable ability on what we saw last year. I mean, the question with perfect power is, can Richard Fahey and Christophe Sumion get him to stretch his speed this season?
1: Yeah, that that is exciting, I think. And and that's a, a throwback to, to the old days. And, you know, when we had very fast two-year-olds winning over five and six furlongs, and then they turned three, would they stay, stretch their stamina out for the Guineas? Um, you know, a sort of a green desert type horse, for example. but. Uh, you know, perfect power, could, they could potentially have gone sprinting route with him and gone, right, well, we'll run him in the Commonwealth Cup and that'd be his first big target. And they could ultimately still go that way. But I quite like the idea that they're going to give it, give it a dip and have a run in the, in the greenham to see whether or not he might stay the, the mile in the guineas. And I, I, I love the way he went through his two-year-old career. I love the fact that he's got such a lovely attitude. Clearly, uh, he's a top-class horse anyway, but the attitude to go with it uh, you know, even in difficult situations, he puts his head down and he gets there. Uh, but it's going to be a, a pretty good test for him against Angel Blur. And as you say, Lucille, similar type to a perfect power, a very fast two-year-old, uh, who's now obviously being asked to stretch out a little bit more. He didn't quite manage it at Doncaster at the end of last season, but it was the end of last season, worthy of another chance uh, over seven furlongs. It is a fascinating race, whether it's going to throw out the Guineas winner. I doubt it, personally. Um, but I think given the fact that Perfect Power and Lucille are quite exciting for the sense that they could drop back and be very smart sprinters this season. It makes the Greenham very watchable.
0: Well, if you're going to run a two year olds in training or a breeze up sale, then you know, quite handy if both of your most high profile graduates of recent times win on the week when you're holding your sale. We've heard about Native Trail and his heroics yesterday, and you heard earlier in the week from George Bowie, whose cachet did the trick in the Silks of High Clear Thoroughbred Racing in the Nell Gwyn. Uh, you'll remember we spoke to, to Jake Warren, Bloodstock agent, Stallion Master. Uh, a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast and it was jake who bought cachet at the tassels breeze up 12 months ago so this has all come full circle rather nicely for for them and for you jake
4: it, it sure has it was a bit of a, a dream come true i have to say um standing in newmarket earlier this week watching her cross the finish line um because uh it was an amazing amazing result for everybody involved um, Hard, to, hard to believe, pinch yourself moment, and um, and you know we're relieved that all the hard work is, has paid off.
0: I suppose this is one of those classics, isn't it? You know, what did you think you were buying when you bought her? I mean, what were you buying her for? Did you think?
4: Um, like everything uh, at a breeze up sale, in in my view, we will always focus on their two year old year. So. You know we we've been coming uh, back to the Craven uh sort of in a serious manner for the last sort of five or six years and um, have bought a state source pretty much every year with the um with the system that we have um we focus very heavily um, on them breathing uh, we we look at the times closely um, we look at the manner in which they breathe we look at how they gallop out um, and we we are, we're very strict on the physicals um and she she fitted all those all those boxes, and um, it was just a you know I suppose a, a system that has has brought her to the top. And um, we were lucky enough to be able to to buy her. It was um, it was uh, you know one of those things that I suppose um, you can look at all the high priced horses that go through the ring and think you know how did this filly slip through um, at, at sixty thousand, but. You know she had very interesting markers in her breeze and um she fitted our criteria and that's the criteria that's you know got us good horses in the past Phillies like queen of bermuda and spy catcher and um you know spirit of bermuda those those animals have all had similar profiles and then um, you know it's just a, a real thrill that uh, this filly's looking like a, like a real high-class filly.
0: But what she has in common with them is the fact that you got... The, the beautiful thing, especially for syndicates, you got loads of action out of her as a two-year-old and loads of stakes action as well. She ran a lot and in a lot of big races and generally acquitted herself with great credit. Could you have imagined at this sort of stage last year we'd be having a debate about whether she was going to stay a mile in the Guineas or not?
4: Um, yes, no, I could, to be honest, Nick. I mean, she's by a claim was a um group one seven furlong horse and if you look at his female family he's he's got a rather stout female family out of um you know he's got horses like in his pedigree um and she's out of a Tiafilo mare so um she did some amazing things towards the end of her breeze and, and she was a very mature filly very strong and a very good size too she's not a small uh whippety little thing she's a big strong filly and i think um, those that were in Newmarket the other day would have seen her in the paddock and she's really furnished out into a, an impressive beast. So, you know, to be honest, um, I was actually questioning when we bought her whether she would be capable of getting to Ascot. I was thinking she was going to be certainly a, a midsummer 2 two-year-old and, and and a good two-year-old at the end of the year. But my question in my mind was, is she going to be together enough to make Asker? Which she did. Um, in truth, I think the way we were watching her racing all last year, we were thinking, you know, next year could really be her year. Um, and, you know, she's hopefully um, set the bar uh, with her first run and, and, and will prove us right.
0: And just in terms of what you've been able to, to do this year, has it been harder this time round for, for you as a buyer?
4: Um. It's always hard for us. Uh, we don't have the big tickets, um, albeit we certainly have the capability to to have a have a dabble at one or two. But you know, for high thoroughbred racing, you know, we're buying horses up to a hundred thousand and a few bids. So you know, one has to duck and dive and and, and look at it uh, in a lot of detail, um, and that is difficult. But I've referred to the system, and you know, we have one a system that you know dad laid down a long time ago about confirmation and um you know we look at the, t- the times closely and you know we work very hard at it together and spend a lot of time focusing on it during during these few days and uh you know things do fall through the cracks that's the nature of, of public auctions and if you're there to catch them um i suppose that's that's part of the the beauty of this game and i would also like to mention that you know it's it's hard for all of us to um To make time to come up here, I wanted to make a special mention to, you know, the guys back on the farm at home, Hike Clare Stud, you know, Paul Norton, our stud manager, who enables us to be able to come up here and and buy horses and run stud farms at the same time. It's a a huge big team effort from from everybody to, uh, to try and get results like this. And it takes a lot of hard work.
0: Very sad news yesterday, the death of Julie Cecil at the age of 80. Julie was married to Sir Henry Cecil until the early 1990s and then established a a successful training operation in her own right. She was the daughter of a wonderful trainer in Sir Noel Merlis and she played an absolutely invaluable role in establishing uh, Sir Henry as he subsequently became as one of the preeminent trainers of his generation. Uh, Paul Cole... Uh, classic winning trainer, champion trainer himself and his family were huge friends of the Cecils and Julie, uh, a godmother to to one of uh, Paul's children, Oliver and Paul joins me now Uh, Paul, what will be your recollections of of Julie Cecil, clearly uh, someone so close to so many people's hearts in the sport
5: Um, Everything I had to do with her Throughout her whole life, her unbelievable loyalty to her, her husband Henry and to all her friends. She was just, um, and she wouldn't let you down even with a thought. Um, she was fantastic with Henry, so loyal to him throughout his career, such a stabilizer, such a backup. Um, I really couldn't say uh, words wouldn't describe what a wonderful person she was. And she'll be sadly missed. I always thought she never got the credit she was due for the due for the fantastic partnership. Um, But she definitely was at least fifty percent or more, because you know, you know, in those early days, you know, one could um, you could go one way or another as a young trainer, and and she was fantastically stable throughout that, that partnership and great friends to, with all sorts of people and would never let anybody down. Not a bad um, thought in her head. Fantastic person. You know, she was her own person and um, had a fantastic knowledge of, you know, Noel Merce being a father, fantastic knowledge of racing um, and the understanding of people in it. But I, I couldn't have gone through um a period of life knowing such fantastic person as she was
0: and and just talk to me a little bit about her personally your personal experiences i know you you holiday together she was a godmother to to oliver who now shares the the license with you uh she seemed to have a great sense of fun and a, a great sense of humor
5: oh absolutely i mean everything was um, um she used to when she could she rode well as an amateur and for the early part of our holidays together, water skiing was her big thing. Um, she was determined to, you know, that's not easy water skiing, but we she water skied day and night in Barbados, and uh, and fun was everything to her. Jokes and fun, nothing. Didn't want a lot of serious um, people around her. She liked she liked a joke, and
0: um, had a fantastic sense of humour. And uh, I'd imagine for, for you and, and your family, it, it sort of marks the end of an era, really.
5: Well, it does. Uh, that, that was the way I was describing it yesterday when we heard the bad news. Um, it, it is an end of an era. It really is.
0: Trainer Paul Cole there uh, describing uh, the passing of Julie Cecil as the end of an era. And. Really quite striking, Rishi, the extent to which Paul, who's a very close family friend of, of Henry Cecil and Julie Cecil for many years, gave so much of the credit for Henry's uh, successes in the 70s and 80s to, to Julie.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great to hear that, because uh, it's no secret that Julie played a, a huge role in the success of, of Henry Cecil through that very productive time that he had with so many great horses. And she proved her own talent, when she trained on her own. Um, one, of, one, of the, one of the horses that I really enjoyed watching was Kingfisher Mill that she trained. He, he'd won the King Edward at Royal Ascot and then he ran in that really, really good King George. But she's extremely talented uh, as, a, as a racehorse trainer in her own right. But the contribution made to the success of uh, Henry Cecil, it's wonderful to see acknowledged uh, by so many people. Um, she'll be very, very sadly missed.
0: So if you were with us on the podcast on Monday, you'll have heard NBC analyst Matt Buneer talking through the three winners of the key trial races for the Kentucky Derby. One of those was Tabor, owned by Amir Zidane of Medina Spirit and Country Grammar fame and now trained, having been transferred from Bob Baffert by his former assistant Tim Yakteen. He was very impressive in the Santa Anita Derby, a horse having just his second race course appearance, having debuted only a matter of weeks previously, Owner Amir Zidane joins me on the line now. Now, you told me, Amir, in Saudi Arabia, that you thought you had a horse who could do something maybe Justify-esque, and I thought, well, all right, he's an optimist, and chanted away to myself. Turns out you were fairly close to the mark. Uh, How are you feeling about Tabor?
6: Well, I'm very, uh, I mean, I feel very very pleased with, uh, very excited uh, about Teba's performance uh, I always knew the talent was there, but I also always knew that the experience was an issue uh, but sometimes you just know that talent can compensate for a bit of experience, specifically when you have a horse like that that demonstrated in his maiden, and then afterwards uh, the only way going forward, and specifically because my program is built around the Kentucky Derby I just couldn't I just couldn't be at ease with myself if if I just did not allow him to try to give it a shot to get into the Kentucky Derby.
0: So why did we not see him race uh, as a 2-year-old?
6: Well, when when he came when he came in after the sale, he was a little bit he was a little bit immature, he had a little bit of time off, he had a little bit of issues and uh Bob made the conscious decision: is just let me stop on him, let me just give him his own time, and let him come back to us and say when he's ready to go. And that's exactly what happened. So Bob, just let him let him fill fill up and relax and get all his issues sorted, and, and then try to pick the best spot for him. I recall there was I also I always mirrored my blueprint, sort of was justified, hoping that that could be the case. So I was kind of looking like a mid Feb maiden, and sometimes stretch in in March than perhaps the Santa Anita Derby. But uh, Bob was very cautious of and conscious of wanting the horse to be at his best every single start. And that's why he opted for the six for a long... On the fifth of March, for as, as a maiden special race, and and to myself, I was like, mm, "This is going very tight. It's not gonna, it's not night. It's not looking the way I wanted it to look." But you know what? Let's just see where this goes. Uh, you have to have the horse tell you what he wants us uh, wants us to do with him. So that's kind of the initial uh, knee jerk reaction back then. There.
0: So as things stand, it's all systems go for the first Saturday I- in May. Yes.
6: Oh yeah, I mean, so far, uh, I mean, thank God he's he's healthy, he's good, he's happy, and as long as he's all of the above, we we are definitely pointing him to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, granted that he could uh, he could perform.
0: Now you don't have to have an elephantine memory for for people to remember our, our fairly kind of robust exchange during the the Saudi Derby coverage, where sort of I asked you what would happen if. Bob Baffert's suspension didn't get turned around and you said, well, if he's not there, I'm not going to go to the Kentucky Derby. What's prompted the change of heart?
6: Well, good question. Basically, it's a default situation. I'm not going back on what I committed. I'm not turning my back to my friend and trainer, Bob Baffert, not at all. The the suspension took effect on that particular Monday. I think it was April the 5th, if I'm not mistaken. And and there was, uh, you know, in life you buy options, right? You don't sell. So... The horse was uh, was was entered everywhere. He was entered under Bob Baffert for the uh, Santa Anita Derby, amongst other races, the Lexington and whatnot. Uh, But naturally, once Bob's suspension, uh, once the appeal, uh, or once the stay was was rejected, so we were faced by a default situation where the horse needed to transfer to a trainer i mean we're not just going to turn him out to the streets right he needs to be with a approved trainer so right then and there he transferred automatically i made the choice to transfer him to Tim Miakteen, and as soon as that occurred that presented options and opportunities uh for points for derby so it was only right for us to make the right decision for the horse uh, and that decision was was with Tim. So Tim clearly told me that there are these options. But Amr, I think this Anthony to Derby is not the way to go. Uh, Gary Young was absolutely adamant that was not the way to go and amongst other uh, advisors and people related to the horse. And, and I basically, once you have an opportunity like this, it's only just for me to do what's right for the horse and for the horse's legacy, and, and knowing precisely he had that ability, so I just vetoed, made the decision, and, and and here we are. So, just in a nutshell, I had Bob been able, had Bob still had his, we had the st- we had the stay uh, approved, and we would have still had the same situation. The horse would have probably ran in the Santa Anita Derby under Bob or without the points or, or some other scenario. So that's, that's how things transpired and developed.
0: Okay. And quite a lot of Bob's horses have gone to Sean McCarthy. A handful of the better ones have gone to, to Tim Yakteen. Was that your call to go to Yakteen rather than McCarthy?
6: Uh, yeah it was my decision i decided to to because he was an active horse he was ready to go and and uh, i just wanted to go with uh, tim i've met him he's he's a good guy he knows what he's doing he knows and i just wanted to continue the same bob school of training and and he's uh, tim is a graduate he was a former assistant as you know bob so to me it was a no-brainer just transfer him to bob yaktin and just have a smooth transition from there uh and hence uh hence why we why uh uh but is, is under his care. Uh,
0: have you given any thought to to what you might feel if your colours pass the wire first in the Kentucky Derby again, uh, and 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 how this extraordinary twelve months has played out?
6: I mean, look, do I? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say no. It hasn't crossed my mind. It's on my mind every day, every minute, every time. I mean, this, this sport is my passion. It's my my hobby and it's something that uh, you need to have Uh, you need to keep the dream alive right to just keep 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 the faith and keep going and and trying to find these superior horses that make you proud and 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 make their reputation legacy proud. so i do think about it but it doesn't really motivate i mean it does motivate me but but it's not something that i would lose sleep over if we don't cross the wire first and i'll tell you why first of all I was not expecting for Taiba to be in the Kentucky Derby. I was hoping that he would shine and most probably due to the late start for him to just carry on with the path of the arrogates of the world, so to say. So that that was kind of my career path for him. Now now we have the Derby, I totally rea- realize and, and, and appreciate his talent and that compensates for experience. But to a certain extent, you need experience. It's a 19 horse field, excluding Teba, you've got kickback, you've got bouncing around, you've got uh, the post position, you've got excellent horses, there are at least five horses, four to five horses that come to mind that are between closers, stayers and early speed horses. If you put all that together, I genuinely am very... Hopeful, but at the same time, my expectations are completely managed, and I realize I'm just happy to be there again, and that's kind of my celebration. The 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 cake was was a into Derby. The icing on the cake would be the Kentucky Derby, and that's my attitude approaching this.
0: Amir Zadan, there, the owner of Country Grammar, the Dubai World Cup winner, Medina Spirit, of course, and now Tabor, the horse he's just been speaking about, one of the most talked about horses currently. In the United States. Now, tomorrow is Good Friday, and that means habitually the uh, doors are flung open in Lambourne, one of the most important training centres in the UK, so the public can go down and see all the horses that are trained in the Lambourne Valley and enjoy a whole host of other attractions as well. Uh, chairman of the Lambourne Open Day, which has really had to struggle through the pandemic the last couple of years, is Mark Smiley. And Mark, it looks as though you've got another gorgeous day in prospect for it.
3: Yes, it looks fine. I'm keeping fingers crossed, uh, the British weather forecast, but everything looks marvellous for us.
0: And, and how significant is this for you, particularly this year, given the fact you haven't really, really been able to, to give this a proper crack now since, what, 2019?
3: Two two years ago, yes, and I think uh, I think fingers crossed we've got to get a bumper crowd. We said that the pre book tickets are up. Well.
0: Okay, so how many people would you expect all through Lambourne and Upper Lambourne during the course of the day, you know, seeing all the horses?
3: Anything from some seven to ten thousand. We never know, but it's a lot of people anyway.
0: But everybody, but everybody's welcome. You haven't sold out.
3: Oh, Lord, there's plenty, there's plenty of room for, in Lambourne. Um, and most of them descend on Nicky Henderson first thing in the morning because it's a good place to go. That, that's uh, an enormous crowd. There's plenty of room for everybody.
0: What can we expect this year?
3: Uh, Well, apart from the usual things in the morning when all the stables are open, you can go and meet the trainers, the horses, the jockeys, and we've got one of the yards, got some horses swimming in the swimming pool, uh, that sort of thing in the morning. And then the afternoon, we've got a a fun packed afternoon. We've got camel racing and we've got show jumping, particularly the show jumping, we've got. uh, The last two amateurs to win the Grand National, Marcus Armitage and Sam Whaley-Cohen taking part against AP McCoy and Nico de Boyneville and uh, uh, John Joe O'Neill Jr. That'll be a great event. And Camel Racing, AP will be on a camel again. And then there's a dog display and there's lots of trade stands, food stands, uh, and and a bar and everything. Something for all ages, children as well. There are one or two things for them as well.
0: Excellent. So if people are listening today, and I would recommend a wonderful family day out in one of the most beautiful parts of the country, they just come off the M4, Get follow the signs to Lambourne and you and it, you can't miss where you need to be going. Is that right?
3: No, it'll be well signed. I mean, there are signs, for example, if you want to go to Nicky Henderson's first, there are signs to Henderson's there, and then otherwise to Lambourne. If you come to the car parks in Lambourne, you can go to most of the yards on foot uh, and see them all. We've also got this year for the first time a, the most colourfully dressed lady competition. So all you ladies and girls listening, dress up and we'll give you a prize if you're the best one. <laughs>
0: Mark Smiley there, Lambourne Open Day, generously supported by the Sir Peter O'Sullivan Charitable Trust. And Rishi, a great day out and so much going on uh, this Easter weekend.
1: Yeah, a lot of very good racing coming up. Um, it's an exciting time of the year. As a, a fan of uh, the flat, I absolutely love it. Um, perhaps could have got some slightly stronger races in in places, but... Uh, I'm particularly excited about uh, the racing on Saturday at Newbury, uh, um, the Spring Cup. I've got a tiny share in one runner, Road Bear, who ran really well in the Lincoln, and hoping that uh, he goes close to winning, if I'm honest, <laughs> uh, in the Spring Cup at Newbury. And I'll be having a bet in the in the marathon at. Uh, uh, Newcastle at the finals. I do like Earl of the Cotswolds uh, for Nigel Twiston Davis and Liam Canary. Um, what the horse has done in the last couple of starts on the old weather has been fantastic. I actually backed him after he won at Kempton last time for a race at uh, Cheltenham. He didn't take his chance, obviously, the ground. If, the, if it was quick ground, I'm sure he'd have had a go, but uh, unfortunately, he, he didn't make it. Uh, so I'll be having a little uh, tickle on Earl of the Cotswolds in the marathon uh, at Newcastle. Rishi, thanks so much. Thank you very much
0: for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Good Friday. Lydia will be with me tomorrow. More rankings update from James Willoughby as well. But that was Thursday the 14th of April. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary.